Well, um, we're on this journey together, walking out every step of the way. And, uh, you know, I'm out of worship now addressing and just trying to have a brief interaction as you're interacting, uh, have a brief interaction with our online family, the Destiny Table New York, and uh, those that are joining consistently. We've started to have some interaction, and um, it, it's, it's, it's a new element for me personally and pastorally and so uh, I say to our online family thanks for being patient in that awkward moment where we're learning how to really maybe engage with you in a way that uh, the Lord is desiring for us to in this next season we're we live in a different day with the church don't we Uh, and I know that there are some of you um, I know there are a few people that normally are here in the room that are online because they're not feeling well Uh, sometimes people are traveling whatever it may be Um, And I want to just say this for everybody, but especially for those of you in the online family, uh, but for everybody to know, uh, when we are home and we're, you know, interacting, watching online, then uh, it's easy to splash YouTube up on our TV, and that's, uh, we tried that one time. And then we did uh, that and Facebook so that we could interact. Uh, We've had our challenges with Facebook. But the thing I want to just point out for all of us to know, there has been an upgrade to our online platform, and the reason I would choose Facebook was because of the ability to interact so much. So when you are online with us, I would suggest you just go straight to destinyokc.com and check out that new platform because you can interact really, really well. So whatever you're using uh, today, you might just try that out, those of you that are joining us online. But um, it's, it's just a great uh, upgrade, and we're really excited about that. We can message and, and have conversation on there and interact. So it's been really helpful just kind of watching all of this progression. And again, I just say, after COVID hit, it just shifted so very much, and uh, we've, we're trying to explore just what the Lord wants to do in it. And let me just make it very clear. Um, it's a day of great... And be careful, don't celebrate this. It's a bad thing that I'm going to expose, okay? It's a day of great opportunity in the church. And our problem in the church is we tend to pursue opportunities more than we explore the will of God. So we're not interested in trying to explore opportunities. We really are trying to discover the assignment. Because we know opportunities become distractions if they're not the assignment of God. And we do know that the Lord's doing something in, in the realm of interacting with our online family, talking to individuals in different uh, locations about more Destiny Tables emerging in those spaces. And again, I'm just so thankful for our Destiny Table in New York and those families that are there with us. But, uh, but it's just not about exploring, pursuing opportunities. We just want to know what the Lord desires as we walk all this out. So uh, I'm really excited just about the morning and what the Lord's been stirring and again I just I felt like it was pretty important that I not just show up with a well-constructed message to plow through we are going to look at Philippians 4 I am encouraging you to bring your old-fashioned Bibles so uh, for those of you who are obedient to the Lord and for sure going to heaven if you'll take out your old-fashioned Bible open that to Philippians chapter 4 Oh my. Um, it's just been this season of practicing the awareness of God. And, and uh, one of the things that I've done in this season is just, uh, I, I've prayed this dangerous prayer consistently, and it is, Lord, don't let me function outside of your anointing. 
Don't let me function outside of your presence. And I want to know. Don't you want to know? Uh, you know, we're, we're talking so much about what it is to practice his presence as a way of life. I'm realizing that the essence of this season of the awareness of the nearness of God unto us, this child is born, he's come, he's with us, he's within us, he's among us. I'm learning in these few weeks together on this focus that this is actually more central to who we are as a church family than I ever realized going into this season. Because we are those who bring God's presence to real life. That's why every week at the conclusion of the message, there is a GP2RL action point, or how to bring God's presence to real life action point. Uh, I'm going to talk to you today just a little bit about, I mean, there's just circles of things going on in my mind because I'm just so alive to this right now. Uh, but Jesus commissions us, go and make believers. I mean, no, that's not what he said. It's easier to make believers than it is to make disciples. Welcome to church. Do you believe in Jesus? You want to go to heaven, don't you? Raise your hand. I see that hand. God bless you. Pray a prayer. You're a believer. We have oversimplified some things that we need to step back. And I'm not saying salvation is difficult. It's not. It's very simple to bring your sinful life before the Lord and receive Christ. And I'm so glad I did. This is important that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Let there be no question about that at all in what I'm saying. But that's not the extent of what God's called you to do. Escaping hell is not your ultimate objective and goal. And the difference between a believer and a disciple is incredibly vast. Because a believer tends to let I'm going to be talking about this in weeks ahead, but I just feel impressed to kind of lay groundwork, maybe awaken this now. Uh, the believer tends to focus more on the convenience of applying Jesus' principles to their life that they want to improve. That's typically what a believer's mindset is. A disciple wants to die so Jesus can live. In other words, we don't gather together because it's convenient. Well, on a convenient Sunday, when we don't have something else going, if it's not raining, or if I don't smell rain, or a little bit of fog out there, I mean, you understand, we live in a day in a society where we have made these church services 59 minutes, they won't go longer, and we'll get you in, we'll get you out, we'll make sure your convenient lifestyle isn't disrupted too much by God, and, and, and there's been... I'm not taking a shot at anybody. There have been seasons of the church, and I'm just telling you the season of the church right now is God is taking us into a deeper place where convenience is no longer much of a concern to any of us at all. Come on, that's the season of the church. Let's do the, usher that in, all of us. And that's largely the fundamental difference that you see when you start breaking down. I've got this chart I'm working on that we'll put up on the screens uh, in a few weeks when we're talking core values and that sort of thing, the difference between believers and disciples. And he says, go and make disciples, I am with you. And so we need to understand it's just vitally important. I, I said this last week, but I want us to really reiterate it. The Great Commission involves learning to walk in God's presence and to develop an awareness of the nearness of God. It's vitally important that we understand that's the mark of a disciple. We're hungry for more of the Lord. We're growing in an awareness of God. I have grown more as a Christian in the last 18 months than I believe the previous all years combined, spiritually, just as a Christian. 
It's just been an accelerated time of God beginning to show us more and awaken these deeper wells and treasures of eternity. And it's like they're all available to us, but there's a certain price that has to be paid. And, and, and that prayer, Lord, don't let me function outside of your anointing. Whenever I start to move into my own, uh, my own strength, my own pursuit, my own capacities, my own unbridled ambitions, and I'm not paying attention to the anointing, I feel that grace-lifting faster more now than ever before and how many of you want that it's a dangerous thing to want but I'm ready just Lord let the grace lift fast and furiously from my life any moment in time that I'm just not walking in that Jesus said I only do what I see the father doing and just prior to him saying that he says the father's at work all the time that means we need to be paying attention to what we see the Father doing. Not, not busy not about, we're doing a new thing for God. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. God's the one who does the new thing. We participate. And if we're not careful, the new thing becomes the monument, and the monument becomes the old thing, while the new thing is something that's continually fresh, and we've missed it altogether. We have to practice his presence as a way of life. An awareness of the nearness of God becomes a lifestyle. It's the great commission. It's Jesus is born, Emmanuel, he's with us. It's learning to practice his presence, watching for grace, following favor. I'm in a conversation and I sense a deep interaction, just maybe just the blessing of the Lord, the presence of the Lord there. I'm just pausing and leaning into those moments and I'm not just bypassing them. Even if I'm busy or distracted or many, if somebody's coming, they said, my daughter, uh, is sick and she's about to die will you come I want to be I want to be in tune with the Lord in such a way that somebody can kind of proverbially touch the hem of the garment and you sense the movement of God and you pause and you pay attention to what's going on this is what God desires for all of us as Christians it's just our way of life this doesn't happen if you don't spend quality time alone with him practicing his presence in prayer as Jesus did that's what we're talking about is just taking time alone in prayer in the word to develop this tender heart with a deep awareness of God that he desires for us to possess I'm just telling you this last week there were moments even in my own life of, of just personal temptation and in those moments it was starkly different as I just paused and just thought Lord where are you in this moment because I've taken my eyes off of you if I've given my focus to temptation. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to God's word and God's words and the conversation of God and the conversational father in any given moment in time. And he's saying, draw your attention back to me. Keep your focus right here. You are fully capable of walking as Jesus did. And in fact, you are commanded. First John chapter 6. Anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. We can live our lives in full awareness of what the Father is doing if we'll learn to turn off some of the sources of distraction. How many of you know today God's addressing and dealing with the issue of anxiety by releasing great peace? How many of you know God is addressing deep anxiety by releasing great peace? And you know that Bible verse that says, uh, he who... Uh, he keeps him in perfect peace who fixes his mind on your news network. Getting caught up in the seduction of the world system is incredibly justifiable. 
and you start to judge other people that don't grind the same axe that you do because you've fixed your mind on things that the world's trying to awaken you to in their skewed agenda. I'm just telling you, it's the peace of God, the unity, and the coming together of the body of Christ that will release the power of God that will transform every system this world has in operation today. And, and I mean, I feel stronger and stronger about that. I know that frustrates some people that when I start using that type of language because there are these agendas and we feel strongly about it. And some people are called to express in those streams and I'm fully aware of that. We work with politicians and, and people in government. and I mean, we're connected to that. I understand that. I'm just telling you, we as the church better understand it's the unification of the body of Christ that actually is going to release the power of the kingdom of heaven in the earth to transform every society on the planet. We can have distinction if we don't have division, and we must not divide. We must unite and see God's kingdom revealed and released in the world around us. So we must purpose to make room, take time, make room, take time, make room, take time for this conversational relationship with God to awaken the amazing things that already actually exist within us. And last week I, I gave you the action point in conclusion to the message was to practice solitude with God very intentionally this week. Did you do that? Have you fulfilled what was the result of our gathering? Are we just coming together to have church services and hopefully I can preach you a good one and, and you know, the other team, teaching team will, will have some good sermons going and is that, is that why you're here? Or are you actually here not just to be a hearer of the word, to be a doer of the word? Because a believer is just a hearer of the word. A disciple is a doer of the word. So did you purpose to practice solitude, engage in a deeper place of quietness and conversational relationship with God? Because I believe if you did, you gained some ground that you don't even realize you gained. And if you didn't, you haven't gained ground God desired for you to gain in the course of this past week. Like we really believe what we're doing matters. It, it, it's significant. It's important. We don't want to just do the consumer thing in the church world. We want to be the disciples God's called us to be. I'm going to give you another challenge this week and I pray that you'll not just be a hearer of the word but be a doer of the word anybody know the rest of that verse don't just be a hearer of the word be a doer of the word because those that are only hearers of the word actually deceive themselves there's an abundance of deception that exists in the western world church that's living life so surface that they don't even need a devil to deceive them because they're deceiving themselves they're just hearing not doing this is very important. This is why we're not walking in the measure of authority and grace that God's called us to walk in. When we walk into a room, we shift the atmosphere. I want to be that kind of a son of God. How about you, sons and daughters of God? So I really, I hope you grow spiritually this next year. How many of you hope you grow spiritually next year? I mean, if you know about this time of year, I'm asking this question and I'm leading you right up to the conclusion. You can probably know where I'm going. Many of you have been here for years. I hope you grow spiritually as well, but hope is not a strategy. Hope has never been a strategy. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have hope. We should have hope. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. 
It's just that hope is not a strategy. So we want to give you a strategy. And for those that gathered for our uh, appreciation night this past Wednesday night, we commissioned everybody with the 40-day the um, assignment coming for the, the, basically the tithe of the year is 36.5 days. 365 divided by 10. 36.5 days. And so we're going to just give you about five minutes just to read that. Yeah, I'm just kidding. So you can pick these up on the back right here by the camera, by the communion station. You can also pick them up in the lobby for those of you who don't have one. But this is our challenge that in the first 40 days of the year, we would just intentionally and sacrificially decide we're going to grow deeper. I really do hope you grow deeper, but you're going to have to take some steps. And so these are the things that we're asking you to do in there. We want to ask you to fast and pray. Fast and pray. This is 40 days of fasting and praying. Whatever that looks like for you, maybe, you know, different people do different things. They fast different things. Um, and, you know, for some people, they're, they're fasting maybe a meal a day, or maybe some people are fasting social media. Um, you know, I, whatever you decide, that's between you and the Lord. But here's the point about fasting, and you need to understand this. Fasting is not going to make God more aware of you. Don't think that. Don't think you're fasting and all of a sudden, man, God must really see me. He was fully aware of you before you ever started fasting. Fasting doesn't make God more aware of you. Fasting makes you more aware of God. And when you have that, whatever that is that you're depriving yourself of, that appetite of the flesh that you're saying no to for that season of time, well, every time you think about it, every time you want to go get a snack or, or you think about you know, whatever the thing is on your phone that's uh, that you're you know whatever that looks like but whatever appetite you're depriving yourself of every time you think of it I want to encourage you to literally think about how much you like what it is you're not doing I love chocolate cake when I see that chocolate cake and I'm fasting I like I don't I don't try to pretend like I don't see it I lean into it and I look at it and I think about oh man do I love chocolate cake I encourage you to do that when you're fasting because in that moment, you're able to say, no matter how much I love that, I love something even more. That's caught. There's a deeper appetite that I am given to than this surface appetite that I really enjoy. So fasting begins to make you more aware of God. So purpose what it is those first 40 days of the year you're going to give yourself to, and you'll grow in an awareness of the Lord as a result of this. Read the Bible. Turn the page. For those of us who were here uh, Wednesday night, it was incredible. Pastor Terry Payne got up, and, and did you catch what he said? He's leading his church in turn the page as a focus for them. They're going deeper in the Word. And, and I said it last week, we have never in the history of this church ever had so few people attending our church that don't read the Bible. That's a great thing. And so I, I, I love it. The, the idea of the turn the page is so simple. Just start in the book of Genesis every day, put the date, maybe a, a, a quick little prayer. Um, this morning my, my prayer was kind of central to this, Lord, deal with the anxiety that exists within our hearts. My great, 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 great grandchild is going to be reading my Bible one day, and they're going to pause and pray that prayer that we broke ground for today that actually belongs to them generations after us. You and I are called to leave a spiritual legacy. Come on, beyond our wildest imagination, this is not not about you in the moment that you live in. It's about the kingdom of God way beyond us. 
And so every day just turn one page. Read more if you want, but just turn one page and write the date. And your generations after you will hold your Bible in their hand as an heirloom one day. And they'll be inspired by your faithfulness before God. It's just so simple. And so that's part of the 40-day challenge. Fast. Read the Bible. Pray. I would invite you. Tuesday morning, we meet in this room at 6 a.m. Come, press in. Let's go deeper. Sunday morning at 9 a.m. 10 a.m. <laughs> 10 a.m. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know what's going on there. But 10 a.m. Sunday morning, we meet in this room just to pray. It's just a brief time of preparation. It's just impact the atmosphere. And then we all commission out to go find our assigned places if we're serving that day. But here's the trick. You don't have to be serving that day to show up to pray. And there's Holy Donut Communion available for you if you want to do that as well. Uh, and that might be part of what you're fasting in the 40 days. So we'll see. But uh, So fast, read, pray, gather. Let's gather sacrificially. Let's don't just show up when it's convenient. I'm just talking about 40 days of being intentional in your pursuit of God. Give sacrificially. Tithes and offering is not something I do when it's convenient. It's a sacrificial expression of worship that the Lord desires for us to understand and grow in. And I believe God wants to unlock, unlock so much in this next season of our lives. We're going to have to learn the sacrificial nature of all of these things uh, as we just look at giving, gathering, praying, reading, fasting. And when we embrace the sacrificial nature, we then become more aware of God. He doesn't become more aware of us. We become more aware of Him. And that's why we're focusing on awareness of the nearness of God. He's in the room. He's with you. He's within you. Sometimes something is spoken and it kind of leaps inside of you. Can, can you relate to that already this morning? That's not because the, the speaker's good. It's because the anointing will teach you. You don't need a man to teach you, First John 2. You need the anointing to teach you. And if you learn to cooperate with the anointing, even when you hear a person speaking, you can pay attention to God, even if they're bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, God is good all the time. Not everybody else is. And so pay attention to him. Learn to listen to what he's desiring to reveal. And let's turn to Philippians chapter 4 uh, as we look at these key verses. And again, this was prepared a few weeks ago that we'd be going in this direction, not even realizing because I... Uh, I, pr I probably should be a lot more strategic in the way this all lays out. But, you know, just sometimes you pay attention to what the Lord's doing, and it just kind of happens that way. And that's what's going on. The Lord's addressing and dealing with this. How many of you know, before the verses come up, before you are, are focusing in, how many of you know we've all heard, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say? Rejoice. It's a great verse, isn't it? And, and probably we're all quite aware of the peace of God that passes understanding and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Those are two great verses. And the reason I'm doing this is because the context of those verses and what's in between is utterly significant to those verses actually having an impact in your life. And I want to just show you this as we read Philippians 4 verses 4 through 7 and pay attention to what these two commonly known verses sandwich. Those are the bread, catch and understand the meat. Rejoice, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The awareness of the nearness of God will awaken joy 
in your life. How many know in the presence of the Lord, Psalm 16, is the fullness of joy? Isn't that amazing? Like this is the significant contributor to that very important verse that we can just splash out without even realizing. He's talking about this nearness of God that awakens joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. How many of you know that in the presence of God you're going to be more gentle? I will promise you this. I've got two daughters, and they both sit here on this front row this morning. And anybody uh, that's ever, you know, interacting with them that gets a little fussy at them, all that has to happen is their dad has to walk into the room. How many of you know it's going to change the way people interact with my kids? You, you do realize that. He's our father. And if we'll pay attention to his nearness and his presence, it will affect the way our attitude is. When they were little and they would be interacting, sometimes I would walk into the room and their interaction would go from this all of a sudden to this. Have you ever experienced that before with your kids? Why? Because the presence of the Father brings a calm to the room. The presence of the Father just has a natural check yourself before you wreck yourself perspective going on. The presence of authority will make you, you see the cop and you slow it down. I saw a cop coming in uh, on my drive today. As soon as I saw him, I let off the accelerator. I, I don't, I'm not a center speeder like Tracy is, but I, I was driving along and I ride with her enough that I get nervous about speeding. And so I was driving along and when I saw that cop, I did. It. I, I caught myself. I just let off, and the you know the the anybody that would have been in the car would have, you know lean forward like this, and so recognize the presence of authority is just a natural check yourself. It's just the presence of the Lord will cause you to be more gentle. You find yourself being irritable and 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 rigid or or harsh. You you just you pause for a moment and think about where did I lose sight of the nearness of the presence of God. I promise you it'll affect you. Anybody have this experience before when you neglect your quiet time, you don't have time in the Word, you find yourself kind of neglecting that, then all of a sudden you find yourself just talking about yourself more, find yourself being just irritable, lack of peace. I mean, you're just self-serving. It's because you'll, you'll never fully destroy pride any more than you'll ever fully accomplish humility. It's a journey, not a destination. And in this destination, you have to die over and over again to keep this earth suit under control. And the less time you spend in the presence of God, the more your earth suit is in control of your actions, your attitude, your behaviors, your perspectives. God wants to address and deal with us on some areas, I believe, that are just so deeply internal. Some of that soul trauma that exists within us is existing because we're not taking the time to really be before the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Here it is. Do not be anxious about anything. Let the peace of God abound right now. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. When I start feeling nervous and anxious, I've lost sight of the nearness of God. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. God's got this. God's with you. You're not alone. He wants to help you, give you a sense of whatever I am facing right now. I can face it in him. I don't understand how Christians were 
burned at the stake and they worshiped God in the midst of the flames except it was like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I guess, and the third man in the fire showed up that day when they were being burned at the stake and he gave them grace and peace and they stood there seeing heaven rather than earth. How I many you know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine if we'll fix our eyes and attention on him? Whatever you're facing, fix your attention on him. Pay attention and be aware of how near he truly is. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The presence of Jesus. I just, I'm, I'm reading through the Gospels right now. I might turn the page. I just started into Mark. And, and I'm, I'm just paying attention. Like, what's, what was it like to be in a community where Jesus was about to come visit? I mean, do you realize there would be a, a spiritual shift happening in that community well before he physically arrived? Do you understand that? Jesus, this man of prayer, was releasing the kingdom, and he would begin to pray over a community before he would go, and the spiritual shift would begin taking place. And what would it be like as his, as his presence drew nearer and nearer? Jesus is about to come into the town. I mean, we know that when he walked into the presence of demon-possessed people, those demons began to cry out and say, why are you tormenting us? Do you understand the presence of God torments? Like, you, not only are you not supposed to be tormented by darkness, you're supposed to torment darkness yourself because you carry the presence of God in such a powerful way. Come on. This is a shift that needs to happen. And Jesus coming into the... I, I just believe some people in the room. I believe some people maybe online are listening to this and realizing this is like supposed to turn. This is supposed to shift today where I'm not just going to live my life trying to survive the torment of my life, but I'm going to more than conquer and turn the tables and start to come against this thing in such a way that I not only am free myself, but I help others be free. It is for freedom he set you free. It's because of the sake of freedom of humanity that he set you free. It's because he wants you to be free, then you become a freedom fighter, and as you come out of the bondage of where you've been, you suddenly then help others to come out of the bondage of where they've been. The Lord is near. He's coming. A spiritual shift is gradually taking place. Like, this is happening. There's a spiritual shift that's gradually taking place. And we must learn to grow in an awareness of God. If you were born with the capacity to speak, can I hear you say amen? amen? But understand, having the capacity and developing the ability are two different things. Not only in the natural do you have capacity that you must develop as ability, but in the supernatural. How many of you believe you have more capacity supernaturally than probably what you can possibly imagine? Having the capacity and developing the ability are two different things. Just because you are spiritually alive does not mean you are spiritually developed. And the Lord wants to develop us. But I started thinking about this. Like this is a process, isn't it? It's all a process of just being before the Lord and, and being broken before the Lord. I, I, we have to understand oil only comes from the crushing of olives. 
Wine only comes from the crushing of grapes. Anointing only comes from the crushing of our lives. Before the Lord in prayer, we get under the weight of his word. I mean, that's what, that's what we're doing. This, this word, when I, when I get into the word, I'm not just reading it to get my Pharisee duty done. But I, we, I understand that the, the Bible yields its fruit to the unhurried mind. We talked about last week. What that means is I get under the weight of God's word and I pause and listen to the author and it kind of just begins to crush some areas of humanity that God wants to awaken deity in its place. And I grow more sensitive and aware to the Lord. It begins to develop these things within me. And today you and I uh, live in a day where people are far more interested in being discovered than they are in being developed. I need you just to think about that for a moment. We just so quickly, I mean, selfie this and post it up. and We live in a day. People are far more interested in being discovered than they are in being developed. I, I thought about this from a standpoint of, you know, the old cameras. You used to, anybody remember those old cameras? You had to buy a roll of film. You put it, you know, open the back and put it in. And, uh, and you had to kind of roll it until you got to the first picture. And then you took the picture, and then you had to roll it to the next one. Uh, if you're uh, a millennial, you're probably not sure what I'm talking about. And so you take the picture, and you roll it to the next one. And then, like, however many pictures are on the film, you know, once that film is, you get to the end, what do you do? You take that film out, and you drive down somewhere, and you drop it off, and you hope for good pictures. Like today's world, you take a selfie, you don't like it, you delete, you take another. Like it's that fast. That wasn't the way it used to be. You get those, film, those, the, those pictures developed and then you, you kind of nervously rip open the envelope when you get it the week after, right? And, and you're looking through the pictures and it's like, oh man, that's a bad one. Oh, that's a good one. You're looking at these pictures and like, it's a done deal. You're, you missed the moment. This is gone. This is what happens to the, that roll of film. That roll of film is taken into a dark place and it cannot be exposed to, uh, in light until it's been in the dark place because if it's exposed in the light before it's been developed in the dark place, then it will never bear the image of the beauty it's supposed to bear. It has to spend time in the alone place to bear the beauty of the image. You and I, Imago Day, we bear the image of God the Father, and we must get in the alone place or we'll never bear the beauty of the image. You were actually designed. You have capacity, but you must learn ability, and that only comes from that dark, quiet place of solitude before the Lord your God. Overexposed, underdeveloped pictures are like overexposed, underdeveloped people who never fully express the beauty of the image they're designed to express. So take time alone with God. Find the dark room this week and let God begin to do a work on the image that actually exists deep within your soul. He begins to transform the trauma of your soul to the beauty that it was originally intended to carry and possess. And you become a beautiful reflection of the love of God in your own gift, in your own design, unlike anybody else, just uniquely you, bearing the image of God. This only happens when we take time alone with Him.
So I'm going to ask the worship team to make their way back up as I point out to you time alone with God. That means be quiet, calm your thoughts, and listen to God. The words silent and listen are constructed from the same letters. The words silent and listen. And I believe that's a significant thing for us to understand coming into this week, particularly as I'm going to commission you and ask you to bring God's presence to real life in your own life as you take what the Lord's stirring in Philippians chapter 4, this whole thing of being the nearness of God, awakening joy and solidifying peace and addressing the deep soul trauma anxiety that keeps trying to take control of your life. And I want to just say, be very intentional this week. This is your action point. Be very intentional this week about practicing God's presence. Reflect on Philippians 4 with an unhurried mind as you start your day every day. I, I used to struggle um, more. I struggle now. I struggle less. But I used to struggle more with making comments about something that I did. Um, and, I, and I would say it for the sake of self-gratification or self-affirmation. You know, Can I get an amen? You know, I'm serving the Lord wholeheartedly. And, and you never say it that way. You just say something you did that was kind of sacrificial. And, and you kind of present yourself well so that people can, can applaud you. I mean, no, that's just disgusting. I mean, it's just, it's just awful. And, and I'm, I'm learning to do that less. But I used to do that a lot, and I still am having to deal with it in my own heart. I was saying all that to say, just after yesterday experiencing, just a sin, I was just praying into this, reading over this, and I just didn't ever feel the grace of the Lord and I, I mean, it really got me. And I started saying, man, Lord, I prayed, don't let me function outside of your, your presence, but, but come on. And so I, I went to bed and I was like, all right, Lord, what do you want from me? I'll do whatever it takes. And I felt like uh, the Lord started prompting me about when to get up this morning. And I, I offered, like, before I really felt any directions, Lord, I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to get up at 5. And the Lord spoke to me. I want you to get up before that. And I was just like, and I, Tracy wasn't in bed yet, and I, and I was like, you sure? <laughs> I said that out loud. Are you sure? Like, it's Sunday. I don't know if you're, and he was like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> he counts the cost before he ever asks you to do anything. And I just knew that there was something deep the Lord was going to do, but do you hear the essence of the sacrificial hour that he was asking of me to unlock something of the kingdom of God? It's almost like we serve a God who sent his son to die on a cross. And that sacrificial nature of Christ is at the center of the kingdom of God to demonstrate for us that our own sacrificial expression of honoring and obeying him actually releases God's kingdom into the lives of other people. You know, we've been having these meetings with our new members that come into the family. And we celebrated them this past Wednesday night, laid hands on them with the elders, commissioned them, 
impartation. It was really great. Part of the conversation we've had in those meetings, because we meet with every person who says they feel called by God to come into be a member of this family. It's not this corporate thing where you just check a box and, hey, you know, your name's on a list. We want to really have a conversation because we're not interested in raising up believers. We're interested in truly making disciples. Part of that conversation has been this. There should be reciprocal expectation in our relationship. How many of you agree that's healthy? Reciprocal expectation. You know what? You should never, you should never in your mind have any question. You should always expect when you show up to this place, whoever's bringing the word is bringing the word from a deep place of having been with God. We're not sermonsonline.com coming up with that which is trendy, quick, cute, clever. We want the power of God. That should be your expectation. Any any healthy relationship has this reciprocal expectation. If you're called to be a part of this family, then we expect you to show up in worship and not just evaluate the songs and look around the room, but actually to show up and engage with God Almighty and release something in the atmosphere. We expect you to do these things that we're talking about in the 40 days where we're sacrificially giving, sacrificially serving, sacrificially loving. Come on, we want to sacrificially go deeper in our pursuit of God to see God's kingdom released and advanced in the earth. So come on, let's stand. I want you to know we've initiated in a season of time here and, and we're evaluating it where many times at the conclusion of a message where we just pause and we just give you room just to listen. And we want you just to hear the Lord, like not just what's been preached to you, but what have you heard? And I want to just reiterate to you because I don't think we did it last week and we're not doing it this week. That's still an important practice for us, and we're still going to participate in that. But the way worship went, it kind of lent to that where we were dwelling in his presence a bit in the conclusion of worship. So in light of that, and in light of the fact that we're introducing elders today, and in light of the fact that there's some people in the room that God is about to set completely free from these anxious thoughts that have held you captive in Jesus' mighty name. Free. So what I'm going to do, rather than send our elders to the back, is I'm going to ask our elders to come to these front, to the sides, as I call their name. And then I want to invite you, as you are uh, prompted by the Lord, just to come and stand in agreement. Then let's fill the altar with those who say, I'm breaking that spirit of anxiety off of my life today in Jesus' mighty name. I believe God wants to deal with this particular issue. So before we do anything, would you just close your eyes, open your hearts, Lord. The essence of inviting somebody forward who's dealing with anxiety can in and of itself create anxiety. But I pray the voice of anxiety would come, become less. And the voice of a loving, gracious Father would become more. I pray, Lord, for anybody in this room, anybody online who can post in the field contending with the absence of peace in any area of their lives. Maybe it's financially, relationally, personally, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it may be. We are agreeing that today a flood of peace as we just begin to worship you, Lord, will come over your people in Jesus' mighty name. 
In Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to ask our, our elders, we'll go ahead and just come be positioned up here. I know I haven't told you all about this, and, and have, it's not something we planned. So uh, forgive me for throwing it on you here at the last minute. But Jim and Diana Howard, Jason and Heather Shiflett, Derek and Crystal Wilson, Ryan and Gina Perry, Dave and Lauren Fulford, Wade and Jennifer Moore. I think it's important that we sometimes see who our elders are in the church. So every month, um, second Sunday, we want to just invite our elders to pray for our church family. So the Bible speaks this weird verse about singing uh, hymns and songs over one another. Have you ever read that? It's like, all right, prepare yourself. Here I go. I'm going to, like somebody ever comes up to you at work and they say, would you pray for me? You say, I'd rather just sing over you. That, that's not what that's, that's not what that's referencing. I'm not exactly sure how to work it all out. But what I do love, the fact that while we're in this moment of praying together, the rest of us are just going to be singing. So I want to ask you, don't hesitate. And let's break that spirit of anxiety today. And that's you and we can pray for you. Just come quickly to uh, any of our elders up here just as we begin to worship. And don't hesitate. Let's break this thing as we know the Lord is up to something. Even in the Advent lighting of the candle of peace, that peace is abounding in Jesus' mighty name. So come on, let's press in and let's worship and let's access the altar where God wants to release something into our hearts as we pray and worship together. <laughs> 